So last weekend was Memorial Day weekend, and, and so after church, I hopped in my car and I headed out for a three-day, two-night canoeing and camping trip with some buddies of mine from college. And man, we, we're just best friends, and we, we love, love, love to hang out. Every year we do something crazy. Every year we try to think of uh, some kind of over-the-top element to add to it. This year was the year of the mustache. Uh, some of your friends of mine on Facebook, you saw this, this hideousness that happened, but I got a picture for you in case you don't believe us. Believe me. Uh, this, this is me on the far left here. I'm rocking the 1986 trucker look. You like that? Yeah. Uh, this is my brother Luigi um, right here. So uh, we had a good time. Uh, we had a good time getting out on the water and spending some time. But the highlight of our trip had to have been uh, this guy that we met. His name was Randy. I'd love to tell you about Randy. Can I do that real quick? So Randy, uh, we, we, were, we were rowing canoes, two canoes and a kayak, uh, down the Roanoke River. And it's a couple hours north of here and just enjoying nature and trying to do some fishing and not catching anything, which is typically how I fish. I mostly drown bait is what I do. Um, but we noticed everyone on the shore uh, was catching stuff, and we asked, and they said they were fishing with worms, and we were using shrimp and some other things, and we're like, all right, let's, worms, duh, it seems too simple. We didn't have any worms. So my brother, Luigi, actually his name is Jason, uh, he, he, uh, he rose up to this random guy on a boat that's fishing, and uh, the, the guy's boat, by the way, the name of it is uh, River Rat 2, T-O-O, River Rat 2, I love it. And he walks up, my brother says, hey man, you got worms? Which, by the way, is the best way to start any relationship. And so he does that. You got worms, and, and, and this was Randy. And so this, I love about Randy. Randy turns out to be the nicest guy in the world. He goes, oh, let me see. Yeah, I think I might have some worms. Hold on, I'll be right back. And he just leaves. And we're like, we meant like right now, not like somewhere else. Like, I don't know if he got a shovel. and like. Found. So he was gone. He came back 10 minutes later with worms. And, and so we sat with him for a little while, and we talked. And that was just the beginning of our adventure with Randy. For, in a minute, he was like, you know what, boys? Looks like you guys are having a good time once he realized that we were okay. Or like, like, like not dangerous, despite the mustaches. And he says, and he, says uh, and, we, and he finds out that all five of us are preachers. And he's like, whoa, man, five preachers. Tell you what, you need, to, you need to row up a little bit farther down the river, and I've got a sportsman's club down there. Me and a bunch of fellas, we got a club down there. you got to come be, be with us today. We're like, all right. Well, we had plans, but okay. So we, we row up. We come to the sportsman's club. Now, check it out. We, we get in there, and he starts to just roll out the red carpet. First of all, it's the ultimate man shack. Everything is made of complete cardboard, okay? And so he's just like, uh, it was plywood. And he was like, look, man, anything you want, turn on the air conditioner for us. He shows us where the food and the drinks are, gives us some ice. And we met some people. He walks around and introduces us. We met Dewey. Uh, Dewey's 81 years old, and he is the best catfish cleaner in the county. Just ask him. 81 years old. Uh, and and we, met, we met a guy named Guy. And Guy uh, turned out as the best fisherman in the club, and he knew all the secrets about fishing. Uh, but he, like any good magician, he wouldn't tell us what the secrets were. But he was like, I'll tell you what you got to do, boys. And you get your hook, okay? And you want to just get, get that fish right here in the lip, and you pull. I'm like, thanks. Thanks, Guy. That's not helpful at all. Uh, we met Alan. Alan didn't say much, but I'm sure he's a nice guy. Uh, we met this other guy who had a five-gallon bucket full of fish he had just caught. And Randy was like, Give them boys some fish. So they just gave us fish. We're in canoes. Like, where do we put fish? Thank you. And so they gave us all this fish. It was awesome, man. And, and the time, time was coming to leave. We needed to get out of there. And Randy was like, look, boys, don't get back on the river. You just set your tents up right here. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, don't stay in the cabin with Randy. You don't know Randy. Randy was leaving. He was like, you can have our whole club to yourself. In fact, if you want to, set up your tent just so you can say you did. Come sleep in the air conditioning. That'd be fine. And we had to leave, but he said, okay, well, you got to go. Well, let me give you one last invite. Tomorrow, we are grilling steaks for everybody. How many can I count you down for? We're like, what? This is the greatest day ever. 
you, you might have met someone like Randy. Randy's a guy that I would call uh, a, a doorway guy. Oh, by the way, I got a picture with Randy. You got the picture with Randy. This is Randy here. Uh, next to Luigi, and uh, this, this is Dewey. Dewey didn't know we were taking a picture, um, but he was glad to be there. Uh, no, he did. He's good, good guys, man. And they actually said, hey, if you send me this picture, we'll hang it up in the clubhouse, and they're probably going, he said, I'll tell all the boys about the time we had five preachers in here at the same time. Um, so it was good. It was good, but, but maybe you've met someone like Randy, who's just um, one of those guys who's just a doorway kind of guy. Like, he lets you into a community. I mean, without knowing Randy, without my brother saying, hey, you got worms, um, you, you wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't have had the chance to meet Dewey or Alan or Guy or the other guy with the fish, and we wouldn't have had the chance to have these stories, and, and we ended up staying there, I think, three or four hours, a lot of good time, and he, he got an open invite. We can go back there anytime. I know where the key is if anybody wants to go. Um, maybe you've met someone like that in your life, someone who's just a doorway kind of person. Think about the first person you met when you moved to town here or another town. They, they started to introduce you to, well, you got to know about this place. These are the main roads, and this is, don't go to that gas station because bad things happen at that gas station. Go to this gas station. And they're kind of, they're like a conduit for you to get into an area that you might not have otherwise known anything about. Uh, these people are the people who are like the hallways of society. And they connect this cluster of people with this cluster of people, this people group with this people group. And you might be one of those people. And it's really good to know those people. These people are like the doorways and the passageways in the lives that we would otherwise not have had any contact with. And uh, you may never know what could happen if you don't simply ask a question and meet a person like this. It's huge. Now, as we get into today's study, uh, what I want to talk about is this series that we're in right now. We're in a series called I Am. I Am is a series through these seven statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John, okay? And we're in week three of this. If you've got a Bible, you want to go ahead and grab it. Uh, grab your Bible. There's some scattered under the seats there if you need one. There'll also be the scriptures on the screen behind me. If you need a Bible to keep for your own, feel free to keep one of these that's under the seat. They're for free. You can have them. Uh, but we're going to be in the Gospel of John, which is in the New Testament of the Bible. If you can't find it, there's an index at the front. Find John. And it is a biography about the life and teachings of Jesus. And it's a pretty unique one compared to some of the other biographies we have. And I love the way that John approaches Jesus' story. Seven times throughout this book of John, Jesus makes a statement that goes something like this. I am blank. That's what he says. I am blank. And so he fills in the blank several different times. Like the first week we looked at this one. He said, I am the bread of life. And in week one, we talked about how, you know, Jesus is, he says, I am the bread of life. He compared basically how, you know, our body needs bread to survive and needs food. He says, I'm like spiritual food for you. I will feed you. I will sustain you spiritually. I am the bread of life. We talked about that. Last week was week two. He said, I am the light of the world. In fact, he says, anyone who walks in me, anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. And it was a huge thing. Last week, we talked about the idea that Jesus is saying, look, don't settle for anything less than the full light of God. Don't be, don't be fooled by the other things in our world that seem like a good path for our life. But he says, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. And so this week, we're flipping over to John, and we'll be in chapter 10, if you want to go there. John chapter 10. And Jesus kind of talks to this group of people that we met last week a group of people called the Pharisees. And we're going to have, see a conversation between them. Uh, and he starts to go into this metaphor that's actually going to take us two weeks to unpack, okay? He, he, he has two I am statements in this same 
story. And so we're going to look at just one of them today. So remember last week, he was in some heated conversations with a group of people called the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees were, the easiest way of thinking about who the Pharisees were, were they were kind of the leading, leading political group uh, of the, the Jewish world at the time, super conservative and very legalistic about the Jewish religious law. And they didn't get along well with Jesus because one thing Jesus talked a lot about was things like grace and loving people who maybe aren't perfect and doing things outside of the bounds that the Pharisees might not ever do. And so they had a lot of conflict, and they stood up against Jesus a lot of different times. And when we get to John chapter 10, Jesus is in kind of a dialogue with these Pharisees. And so we're going to jump right in, okay? So if you've got it, or it's going to be on the screen behind me, let me jump into John chapter 10, and we're just going to be reading verses 1 through 6 right now. All right, John 10, 1. Jesus starts out, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep's the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes out ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. I told you that Jesus jumps into this metaphor that's going to take us two weeks to unpack, and so uh, I want to kind of get tell you the second part first because that's what we're going to get into next week. He's doing this big metaphor, and it's about sheep and shepherds. You pick that up, right, because you speak the English. And so, like, you pick that up, and he's going to later say, I am the good shepherd, He's going to say that. I am the good shepherd, but we're not going to get to that just yet. The sheep-shepherd relationship and metaphor would have been something that would have been very, very commonly understood by his listeners. Um, and so before we get to the I am the good shepherd, he talks about another analogy that we're going to get to as we continue reading the, the story. Shepherding, though, is one of the top three um, occupations in the area at this time. The, the, the big three were shepherding, farming, and fishing. And so if you did one of these three things, you were someone making money. That's kind of how, how it worked in that society. So for Jesus to use a sheep illustration, it would have been very clear to his listeners. It'd be like me using a, a Facebook illustration or internet or cell phone or some kind of iPhone joke. And everybody would be like, ha-ha, I understand iPhones, right? But you aren't a shepherd. Anybody shepherd? I don't want to offend any shepherds in the house. I don't think we have any shepherds in the room. If we do, that's pretty awesome. I, I got chickens. I'm a chickener, um, but I'm not a, I'm not a shepherder. Um, but, you know, shepherding is not a hard concept to understand. In fact, you too can understand sheep metaphors, okay? We're going to get into it right now. These guys, uh, these Pharisees are the self-proclaimed religious leaders of the Jewish people, they are, and so it's, it's no secret, though, that Jesus doesn't approve of the way that they lead. He's constantly calling them out. Jesus calls the Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. He talks about how their heart is not right with God. He's, he's constantly pointing out how they're missing the point of what God wants from us. Their biggest concern was always to make sure that everyone knew and followed the Jewish law and did it precisely and stuck to every little detail. And anyone who didn't understand it the way they did, they were outcasts. Whereas, like I said a second ago, Jesus' focus was so much more on love and grace and pointing people towards giving glory to God, even in their brokenness. And so because of this conflict, Jesus begins to tell the story about sheep and a shepherd. He says in verse 10, let's go back into our passage and just kind of unpack what Jesus was talking about. He says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, 
but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Thief and a robber. Uh, we understand thief and robbers. We might think that they're interchangeable, but actually in the, uh, the Greek that this was written in, the, these are actually two different Greek words. One, the thief is someone who is going to take your stuff, but they're going to be sneaky about it. They're going to come in at night. They're going to come in through a window. Not, you, you might not know that they were there. A robber is like a thief, going to take your stuff, but they're not afraid to resort to violence to get it. So one is kind of sneaky and, and stealth, and the other is like, look, I will, I will beat you up in an alley. This is the people who might jump you on, a, on a, an abandoned road or something. Okay, so he says there are these people that are trying to get into the sheep pen, but they're thieves and robbers. They're coming in to get to these sheep, and they have no right to be there. And just like a normal thief in our day and age, you know, we, they would never go to our front door and knock, knock, knock. Hey, I'm here to take your Xbox 360. Uh, you want me to have it? And no, they don't do that. They, they, they're going to break in a window. They're going to come when you're not home. They might resort to violence to get to your stuff. They're climbing over the fence or they're coming in from the pasture in an area where the shepherd cannot see. There's trickery there. It's not above the board. And this Jewish audience, especially these religious leaders, would not have had to dig deep into their brains to, to see what Jesus is getting at. Because all through their scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, the Bible that they read, all through the, the scriptures, God is likened to a shepherd. One of their most famous prayers and, and verses that their, their King David wrote, Psalm chapter 23, it starts out like this, the Lord is my shepherd. And it goes on to describe how God takes care of his people and he leads them to good pastures and he takes care of them in the face of their enemies and he gives them water. And this is the metaphor for God that the Jewish people were very familiar with. It's no surprise because, like I said, sheep are everywhere. They understand sheep. And so it's cool that God allows them to understand him in a way that, that they would totally get. A shepherd's main job is to keep the sheep safe. And here, and it, you don't have to read deep between the lines, Jesus is talking about himself. In fact, he's going to say later, I am the good shepherd. As God has been a good shepherd, I'm carrying that on. I've said this before, but in case uh, you haven't caught it, or maybe this is your first time, Jesus is God in the flesh. That's what Jesus said about himself. And so he's like, look, just God's the good shepherd. I'm him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I'm here to take care of you. So as, as Jesus is talking, he brings out this Old Testament Jewish scripture thing that they should have gotten, but he also blends it with a very cultural thing, the idea of what a shepherd does. And there are a few things that he uh, like alludes to as he's talking about it. Uh, a really unique shepherd uh, habit would be that, okay, so the sheep would be put into an enclosure at night, as you might imagine, a fenced-in area, uh, often a cave or some kind of place like that, and the shepherd himself would serve as the gate for the pen. He would actually lay across the opening of the doorway. That's a pretty neat idea. Why? Well, who would be more likely to wake up and jump up and be aware if there were, you know, a wolf or something, or maybe a, a person that came in to steal the sheep? The shepherd. He cares most about the sheep, so he actually would lay down in front of the door. He would be kind of the doorway or the gate to the pen. Another interesting thing uh, about these sheep, and especially in Palestinian culture, is that shepherds were very personal with their sheep. They developed this trust relationship. As Jesus said, you know, the shepherd would call out to his sheep and they would follow him. It's actually been shown that like two different flocks with different shepherds could be mingling on the same field. But if one shepherd's like, hey, sheep, whatever you say to sheep, his sheep would be like, oh, the shepherd's calling. And they would follow him and the other shepherd's sheep would stay there. Why? Well, their shepherd didn't call them. So there's this really cool relationship. They hear his voice. Another interesting thing that's unique among Palestinian uh, shepherds than, than a lot of shepherds in other places of the world is that when they would uh, 
show their sheep to pasture or to water, they would actually lead them. Like they would walk in the front and this way. In other cultures, the shepherd would be at the back and he would drive them, you know, with noises or with dogs or something. And so there's this really neat metaphor of a shepherd kind of gently leading his flock rather than driving them, you know, in some sort of aggressive way. And so all of this would have been familiar to Jesus' listeners. That's, that, that's why they, they should have gotten it. That's why verse 6 really kind of confuses me. Did you read verse 6? It says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Now, I, for a while, when I was, like, developing these thoughts of what I want to share, I wanted to, like, make excuses for the Pharisees and be like, they probably just really, it was a bad day. I don't know. I have, I, but I have come up with a very simple theory uh, on why they didn't understand him. I think they didn't want to hear what he was saying. If you're a parent and you've ever told your kid to clean his room, and then you come back 15 minutes later, and he's totally not cleaning his room, and he's like, hey, why aren't you cleaning your room? And the kid's like, I didn't hear you. You're like, what? You heard me. You didn't want to hear me. And so, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I'm not going to throw the Pharisees completely under the bus. But he says, they say, yeah, we didn't understand what you're saying. And I just wonder if they're just like, surely he's not saying what we think he's saying. Surely he's not saying that he's the good shepherd and we are the thieves and robbers. Surely not that, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't let up in his, uh, in his discourse with them. He says in verse 7, he makes his first big point, and it's actually the thing we're going to hang on today. This is verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said, again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. This week's I am statement, I am blank, I am the gate. Now, we could get more into the Pharisees' psyche and, and unpack their story, but here's the thing. This isn't, right now, none of us are Pharisees, and so I want to see what God, what we can be learning about Jesus for ourselves today. I hope the Pharisees picked up on what he was putting down, but I hope that you will today. I am the gate. Uh, in our culture, we don't talk much about gates as we do about doors. In fact, this, uh, some translations translate this, I am the door. And so I'm going to use those interchangeably, if that's okay with you today. Door, gate, same thing. And so as I was thinking about it, I was like, what can I say about a door? And I realized we love doors. Like in our, seriously, we have a door thing, people, all of us. Like just take a quick inventory in your mind of how many doors you have in your life. Like, I thought that this was going to be just, like, a hyperbole, but then as I begin to count the doors in my house, I realized there are a lot of them, okay? Because at your front door, you probably have two. You got, like, a hard one, and then you got a mushy one, right? Or one you can see through, okay? You probably got an identical one at the back or the side of your house. There's probably a sliding door that's going to get you in and out of your patio area somewhere. We've got doors to all of our rooms, all of our bedrooms, all of our bathrooms, all of any other room that you might have in your house. We've got doors in our closets, we got doors on every cabinet in our house. In my kitchen, I've got a drawer on my oven. I've got doors, two of them on my refrigerator and one on my microwave. If you've got a mirror in your uh, bathroom that's a medicine cabinet, that's a door. Guys, we have doors in our garages. We've got doors that get to the crawl spaces under our house. We've got doors that go uh, to the shed outside, the utility room. Some of you have doors for your dogs, okay? We love doors. Why? Because doors are important. We need doors. Doors bring us something in our life uh, that, that brings us this level of comfort and security. In fact, I think there are two important things that doors do in our life. Doors provide these two things. First thing they provide is protection. The second thing that doors provide is access. Protection and access. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the door. Like You don't want your pets running out in the road. 
So you put them in a gated area. You don't want your kids going out in the neighborhood without you knowing, so you make sure that the doors are shut when they're really small or when they're teenagers and you need to use a lock. Sometimes it's useful. And so when it comes to safety, let's talk about those two things. It provides us uh, protection. It provides us access. Let's talk first about protection. When it comes to to protection, it's, it's about safety. And so just think about your house, and on your front door, what would you rather have? Like one of those flimsy styrofoam hollow uh, closet doors on the front, or like a three-inch thick oak door with steel hinges and a deadbolt? Like which one do you want on your front door, right? It's obvious, because we want a good door that's going to keep us safe. Jesus says, I am the door. And for these first century leaders, as Jesus is talking about sheep and shepherds, and then he says, I am the door, you got to imagine they immediately think about, yeah, my cousin Tom's a shepherd, and he sleeps in front of the sheep pen. Like, he's literally a door for, for his sheep. Jesus, you're the door? Oftentimes in our life, we look for protection, we look for security in things that can't deliver. We find other doors for protection. Uh, we use phrases like financial security. That's a thing. It's a good thing. We talk about job security. We look for uh, people in our life to save us. I know I, I say a lot of times when, when, uh, when I first started dating my wife, like, man, that changed my life. It did. It did. She was able to help me do things that I should have been doing anyway, right? And I, you might say something like, man, that person, I met them, they just saved my life. They saved me. Maybe we put trust in our government for protection. And man, in the next election, everything's going to be okay. Like, we just go every, it's always four years away, but if we could just get whatever the person that you want in office or the law you want passed or whatever, it's going to be okay. We, we look for all these things for protection. Now, some of these things are decent. I mean, they're good. You should have good people in your wife, in your life, like my wife. You should have uh, good leaders in your life. You should have, you know, financial security and job security. Those are all good. We also look for bad things for security, though, don't we? Like sometimes, man, it's just, it builds into an addiction. I can't get through the day without a drink at the end of the day. Just can't do it. It's too, too hard. I can't get through work without a couple cigarettes. I can't get through, uh, I can't get through uh, my relationship with my family without sitting down in front of a video game for a while. Note, note that I'm not really damning any of these things, but I'm saying that sometimes we look for these things and they form addiction and they form habits that can be very harmful to us. And we just lean on them for security. But let's just, let's just tick those off real quick. You know, financial security is great until the economy shifts. You know, and job security is great until it's not. <laughs> and the business goes under or you get let go and you didn't expect it. Or suddenly they just have to, a new technology arises and the thing that you do just isn't a thing to be done anymore. Relationships are fantastic. But you're not in complete control of relationships. There's always at least another person involved. And they don't last forever anyway. Governments, let's not go there. (laughs) Right? And so I'm not saying that it's bad to trust things. It's good to trust things. But they can't be our full security. Jesus says, I am the door. And I don't want to lose sight of the connection between the word protection and safety and the word salvation. It's, It's a very deep Christian concept, the idea of being saved. They were separated from God because of sin, and that Jesus came down to save us. What is that? Protection. I am the door. I want to come stand between sin and temptation and you so that you can have a relationship with God. That's Jesus' thing. He says, I am the door. And he proved that he was a very solid oak door. Uh, there's a lot of scripture I could read. I'm just going to read one of them. In Romans chapter 5, verse 9, the apostle Paul wrote this, writes this to the Christians that live in Rome. 
He says this in Romans 5, 9. He says, since now we've been justified by his blood. By the way, he's talking about Jesus. Since now we've been justified by Jesus' blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That is a deep theological passage. Write it down, Romans 5, 9. You can unpack it later, diagram it, read some stuff on it. But here's the thing I want you to see out of it, is that Jesus says, I am the door. I'm here to bring you protection. I'm here to step in the gap and help save you from what is keeping you away from God. I am the door. Doors provide safety. The second thing doors provide is access, and that's the most obvious thing. Why do we have so many doors? Well, because the, the access to the chocolate chip cookies is through the door of the cookie jar. That's not a door, is it? If there was a door in my cookie jar, I'd be sad. Um, he says, I am the door. Uh, I'm a language nerd. Uh, I, love, I love words. I love parts of speech. In fact, uh, I'm about to say something that's going to co- totally get me out of the cool club, but I don't care. Uh, I have a favorite part of speech. Do you? Like noun, verb, like which one's your favorite? Well, my favorite is the preposition. I love the preposition. Prepositions are cool. I learned in elementary school that a preposition is anything an airplane can do to a cloud. That's what I learned. So these are prepositions. An airplane can go uh, in a cloud. He can go over a cloud, in, over, under a cloud, around a cloud. He can be by a cloud. He can come from a cloud. These are all prepositions. I looked it up this week. I'm not, I'm not totally that big on prepositions. I looked it up this week. There are over 150 English prepositions. They don't all work perfectly with the cloud analogy. Um, but the idea is a preposition connects how one thing, typically a noun, interacts with another thing. One thing interacts with another thing. So I am with you. The with is a preposition, and we are together, and it's showing how we relate. So I have not only a favorite part of speech, but I have a favorite preposition. That makes me super cool. Um, my favorite preposition is the preposition through, and it's because of Jesus. Because when you look at the writings about Jesus, one of the most common prepositions used in conjunction with Jesus is the preposition through. And this is why it fits today. Through is a door word. I'm going to get in the hallway through that door. That's how I'm going to get out there. So often in Scripture, when we're seeing a description of Jesus or Jesus is teaching about himself, we see this is what you have access to through Jesus. And then he fills in the blank. Let's look at a couple. There are dozens of Scripture I could read you this morning. I'm going to read three of them real quick, if that's all right. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This is one. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Man, that's, those sentences are full of prepositions. But this is what we learn about Jesus, that through Jesus, Jesus gives us access to God, peace with God, access to God's grace, which is salvation, through. This is what Jesus is the doorway into. God's presence, the peace of God, salvation, grace. It's huge. Let's look at another one, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. For through him, this passage is about Jesus, for through Jesus, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Through Jesus, what do we get? Access to the Father. Here's what I believe about God. I believe that God is the creator of the universe and the sustainer of the universe. To have access to that? I could probably have a hard time getting a meeting with the mayor, (laughs) let alone a governor or a president, but the creator of the universe says, come on in my door. How? Through Jesus. Access is another one, Colossians 1.19. This sentence is powerful here. For God was pleased to have all his fullness, fullness dwell in him. This is Jesus. 
This is one of the places where we see that Jesus is God. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Jesus brings us, again, reconciliation with God. You know what that is? Reconciliation is like taking two estranged parties and bringing them together. There was an argument. There was a fight. We made up. That's reconciliation. Through Jesus, that's where it comes from. And so let's read it again. This is John. Uh, well, we're going to continue reading. John 10, 9 through 10. Okay, we're going to break this up because this is where Jesus kind of wraps up his whole idea. I am the gate. I am the door. He says in verse 9, I am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in. They will go out. They will find pasture. I am the door. It's so reassuring. And I want to know that you, if, if, I want you to know that if you're still kind of seeking peace in your life, as I talk to people who are kind of like wary about um, religion or Christianity in general or any, any kind of faith thing, as I talk to them, I'm like, what is it that you really wish you could have? And over and over again, this one word keeps rising to the top, and I don't prod it, it just comes out. I want peace. I just want peace. I want to feel like everything's going to be okay. And Jesus says, I am the door to that. If you enter through me, you will be saved. So maybe you're in a place where you're like, safe from what? I don't need to be saved from anything. I'm good. Look, I get it. Like, it's, it's hard to feel like you don't have it under control. And I want you to know, like, this, this is a safe place, this church family. I want you just to come, maybe. I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to maybe do something. Come see maybe what we're talking about. Like, keep coming back. Maybe one more week. Who is this Jesus person? What, what does it mean to be saved? Is there like, is there something I don't know about? Is there a monster I don't know about? Like what? Because Jesus says, come through me. And then this last part, you can come in, you can go out, and you can find pasture. As I think about that concept of finding pasture, man, like you're not a sheep or a cow and like maybe you don't want to go <laughs> eat some grass but that concept of knowing that, like, I'm safe, it's a safe place. Back in the back of our, our building here, we've got what we call a secure children's area. There's a, there's a security person that stands at the corner. All the kids are back there. They get checked in. Uh, by the way, there's a great need for volunteers in that area. So if you would like to jump in, we would love to talk to you. But the kids can be back there, and as a parent, you know this, that while they're back there, they're safe. They can find pasture. They can come in and out of whatever thing they're doing because back there is a secure area. It's safe. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. I provide protection. I provide access to God and so many other beautiful things. And anyone who comes through me will be saved. They can go in. They can come out. They can find pasture. And then I, I want to actually close on kind of where Jesus closes here in verse 10 because he actually gives one little warning. I, I don't want to be like a harbinger of doom or anything, but Jesus says this. And, and we're a place where we try not to sugarcoat anything. And so Jesus kind of doesn't either. He says this in verse 10, the first half. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Paul's before that semicolon. Because sometimes we act like there's nothing out there that could hurt us as long as we're just attending church. Or maybe we know that that's not even true. And we're like, why is this happening? Why are there bad things in the world? And Jesus says, listen, there are thieves and robbers. Some of them are people who are coming to our lives to absolutely distort truth. Some of them are spiritual forces that are coming in to compete with God's glory and take that away from what you got in your life. 
Jesus says, that's out there, but listen to the second half of the sentence after the semicolon. He says, but I have come that they, that you, that I, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translations say abundant life. This whole thing wraps up where Jesus says, listen, there, there's thieves and robbers and there's people who are coming in to mess up your spiritual life, your physical life, but I want you to know something. I'm the door. And if you will come through me, I will keep the bad out. I will do my best to help you keep the good in. I will bring you protection. And in that process, I will give you access to God's forgiveness, his grace, the abundant life that he promises. I am the door. I'm so glad I ran into Randy on the river. It was a trip, and I don't think that I would have imagined what could have happened. I didn't even give you like a tenth of the story that happened with Randy. It was insane. But what happens in Jamesville stays in Jamesville. Um, it was crazy, like meeting this guy. I was like, wow, this is, so, this is so neat. I wouldn't have had access to any of that if I hadn't met Randy. But here's the thing that hit me. We wouldn't have even known Randy if my brother hadn't asked him a simple question. Hey, man, you got worms? And so I never want to underestimate the value of a simple question. And I want to ask us a simple question today. Jesus says, I am the door. Here's the simple question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Not do you know about him. Not have you heard about him, But do you know about Do you know about Jesus' love? Do you know about his sacrifice for you? Do you know about the goodness he brings into this world? The light that he shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you know about that? Do you know that he is the way and the truth and the life and that no one can get to the Father except through Jesus? Do you know that he can come into your broken life and he can put it back together and make you whole in a way that you would never even imagine? Do you know that if he says, you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all these other things will be taken care of? I want to ask you a simple, simple, simple question. And I'm not, I'm not listen, if you've been coming to church for a long time, don't be like, oh, he must be talking to them. Them other people. I'm talking to every person in this room, including myself. Do you know Jesus. Take the time to get to know him. Because he can bring us to protection. He can give us the access to God that we so desperately need, even if we don't realize it. It's changed my life. I wouldn't be here on this stage doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for Jesus. I would probably be doing something else bad somewhere else. <laughs> I would not. The things that God has done in my life to shake me up, to expose the sin in my life, to help me realize when I was being a hypocrite, when I could stand up and do the right things instead. And that light is shining in my life, and that same thing has happened to so many people sitting in this room right now, and it can be yours too. Whether you're walking in for the first time today or whether you've been in here for decades, he wants you to come in, and he wants you to go out and find the pasture. I am the door. Let me pray for us today. God, you're good. You're truly good, and um, man, you know, I, all of us could talk all day and not even, it'd be like the tip of the iceberg of the things you give us access to, mainly because we don't fully understand heaven. Um, that's just one topic, but man, just the idea that you love us enough to be our gate, to lay in the doorway for us, and help us to trust in that. Help us not to seek um, peace or comfort elsewhere or help us not try to find protection and safety and other things that might fail us that will fail us instead help us to know that you are the door lord every day help us to wake up and go okay where's the door where's the door let me find the door and walk through you daily hourly by the minute then we can truly know what it means to have pasture have the peace 
and to shine that light so that other people can know it too. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.